God's word, Jesus Christ himself modeled that um, it's not going to go the way that you want it to go. Because let's, let's go to something uncomfortable. Ah, mountains fall on me. Mountains will say, why is this happening to me? And that you start to understand, okay, why is this happening for me? One of the most difficult things we have to face um, in this life is death. It's an inevitability for every single person. Um, conspiracy theory, we gotta get the guns. Hey everybody, I'm Chad, Joe, Daniel, and this is Behind the Sermon. You can see what we really do when we dig into the, the cans that we all have in our office. We have cans full of sermon. Full of worms. Material, yeah, full of worms. <laughs> no, we, we love to give you guys an inside look. I think if there's something we would all say about what we do on Sunday versus how we are during the week, we are the same people. Like, we don't have a, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Pleasant. Like, we don't have our PV speaking voice or even, I've been in churches like that where it's like, who is this guy? <laughs> Who's the person who just started talking? Yeah. You don't talk like this in person, but I love that about you guys. We are, this is us. Like, this is what we do. And so um, we've been in the book of Revelation, and I, I thought maybe we'd start just personally, what has happened in the last couple of months, knowing we were going to do it and now having read a little bit and preached some, like what has God done in your all's hearts? And I can share a little bit about mine. I feel like there's a, there is a transformation happening in me and even in the way I'm learning to appreciate different types of biblical literature and genre and things like that. Um, but yeah, maybe from a just personal faith level, what, what's happening in your hearts? Mm -hmm. I think um, the book of Revelation is, is such a, um, it ties all of Scripture together. Um, I did not realize until we started studying it just how much of the Old Testament is just uh, constantly referred to in, in the book. Uh, so, so that's been that's been really, I think, a good thing for me when I just think about the uh, the completeness or the, the um, con continuity in Scripture. But then, even more specific, like Daniel, and you really, I think, for me anyway, helped this last week when um, you were uh, talking about the the seals and, and uh, opening up those things, and you <clears throat> you contextualized that currently and then you used old testament passages to say hey this has been the deal all along in terms of the effects of sin on uh, humanity and, and on our world uh, but it's, there's also some future fulfillment so you you grounded god used you to ground me once again into the not only <clears throat> the power of scripture but the relevance of scripture not only for people in the past but but for me, for us now, and also there's future. And that, you really helped doing that. And you set that up for us, you mm -hmm. know, um, in chapter four, um, Chad. But uh, so that's one of the things. It's like, yeah. hmm, okay, you know, there's application for me. There's application for us. Mm -hmm. um, but it's also raising some really good questions in my own personal walk with the Lord and, and wrestling with Scripture that, you know, maybe mm -hmm. we'll talk about at some point. But, um, yeah. What about so, you, Daniel? I feel like there's, I don't know, I think it's just a tenderness that the Lord is trying to continue to, to just to soften my heart more to... Like a meat tenderizer? Exactly. It's, sometimes it does feel... Beating, like flattening down yeah, there. That would have been an appropriate metaphor to use yeah. for Scripture. I brought and, a cleaver today. Yeah. Yeah. So I do feel like that. I mean, it. it I think there's there's this place of of when the Holy Spirit is speaking to us through His Word, there's these kind of crusty places in our hearts mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that start getting knocked loose a little bit. Yeah. And <clears throat> that's how I've been feeling as I've been going through Revelation because again, I think um I think until going through this to speak at this time, always with my lens was always like this is stuff that's gonna happen in the future and I need to understand what that means so that I know when it's happening. And so I think now coming at it where just having a better grasp of like this was written to people 2,000 years ago 
And this was supposed to be encouraging to them. Right. Mm -hmm. This was supposed to be present and real to them. Not like, here's this thing. You won't really get it. And, you know, at some point in the future when it actually is the end times, then. So I think having that, having that just a different lens that I should expect something for me right now in my life Mm -hmm. has been, um, has been very eye opening and just, it makes passages like, you know, just like we looked at this last week out of Revelation six with these horsemen and stuff like that. It's all, it's always been like, Oh my goodness, what is that? And how yeah. bad is that going to be? What's that going to look like? And there might be an aspect of that, but also there's a very real aspect of how we experience some of these things currently right now. So that, that just was, right. I don't know, it was really hitting me in a heavy way. And so mm-hmm. I think the, yeah, just the, the recognition of the, <clears throat> all the story that's playing out in the spiritual realm, how that impacts and interacts with what we experience every mm-hmm. day. Um, it just makes it feel very real. And I think it gives me a greater sense of like, wow, this is a pretty amazing, epic, complicated, yeah, almost impossible mess. <laughs> uh, but cr- just incredible story that's playing out. And it makes me want to keep leaning in. Mm-hmm. That is, if we had a response from people when we told them we were going to do Revelation, it was always like, oh, that's brave. <laughs> you sure? Mm-hmm. And so it, part of me was had a little bit of a fear reaction of maybe we shouldn't. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. And I, it, as I've started to read, probably the number one thing, and not in a because I know and I know how to do it, but I felt the Spirit just say, it's okay. I can do this with you. Like mm-hmm. I gave this to those churches and I've given it to the church. Um, I've been listening to, uh, I've listened to one podcast and now I've gone into one that's a little more in depth from the Bible project, Tim Mackey, John Collins, is that his name? I think Tim and John. Anyway, mm-hmm. highly recommend them. Uh, one is called paradigm and it's a shorter podcast series, maybe 12, 13. And then they have another one that they did earlier called how to read the Bible. Uh, and I'm going through that one as I do my loops around the lake. Um, and he just said, you know, one of the things you get when you open this book, which should be encouraging to us, is you open to page one and it says, in the beginning. And then you look at the end of Revelation and it says, and at the end, actually, at the forever moment. And that fits us as human beings. We want this, ah, this story to be invited into was just listening this morning and they said our our instinct to go and sit by ourselves with our bible and a cup of coffee or a cup of tea and find application is really not what the biblical authors under the inspiration of the holy spirit were trying to do they were trying to tell you this story this Mm -hmm. grand story Mm -hmm. and invite you in and so i think i'm slowly not that you don't have an application or that you don't see change. That is obvious. Like there are things that happen from discussing and listening. But even when we began this book, blessed are those who read aloud and hear mm-hmm. and listen to and remember. Um, we kind of talked about that as a, as a key to really getting through the book. Like just to listen and to hear. Um, one of the things I was going to move towards, which in your first sermon, which would now have been three weeks ago because we did a worship Sunday between... Um, I love this image of, uh, we'll just read here, that part of, it set up this whole thing, here's this scroll. Um, And before, I don't think I'd thought about it a lot, but my understanding is like this scroll is the scroll. It is human history, Mm -hmm. it is God's will, it is his judgments, it is everything that has to happen, must happen, and so this dilemma of not being able to open it is brings John great distress and mm-hmm. should us as well. Like it's kind of this universal thing of like, who can solve problems? Nobody, nobody can solve them. Mm-hmm. And so that what he sees is, you know, and you, you hear, but like what he hears first, do not weep, look the lion from the tribe of Judah, the root of David has conquered so that he's able to open the scroll and it's seven seals. So that's five verse five. So then John turns to look to see a lion, and he sees a lamb. Mm-hmm. And it's such a paradox mm-hmm. in this slaughtered lamb. <clears throat> um, and I feel like that for me, in reading in some of those books that we are using to prepare and learn, 
as another key. So if the first key is you have to listen, you need to read, you need to change your, this is to, you know, you're not just looking to predict things. But then the second one of worship of a slaughtered lamb, like mm -hmm. the, the lamb slain. And then if we look through the whole rest of the book, and actually I heard this recently too, the whole Bible must be viewed through the lens, a cruciform hermeneutic of mm -hmm. a slaughtered lamb resurrected. If you're trying to think about a passage in the Old Testament that bothers you, you must put on the Jesus crucified glasses. And so that's been good for me. Like just mm -hmm. e even thinking about difficult passages or things that are happening, you know, that are hard to understand, to look at it through. But I just love that, that dichotomy of he looks and he looks almost like a good old Westerner. Let me see this powerful lion that's mm -hmm. gonna just shred my enemies. And mm -hmm. he turns and it's like, oh no. <laughs> And the Bible's like, oh yes, <laughs> you know this. And I loved you. You said it this week, um, in the the seal. Let's see. It would have been the fifth seal, mm -hmm. uh, chapter six, verse nine. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slaughtered because of the word of God and the testimony they had given. Say again, just in like a nutshell, kind of what how different that seal was and how it kind of relates to what John saw in the lamb. Yeah. So you see these expressions of, <clears throat> of kind of evil powers being mm -hmm. allowed to do what they want to do through the horsemen. And then all of a sudden you just have these people that were probably killed by many of these expressions of evil. Yeah. And, and then ultimately for their faith in Jesus and all they're doing is they're just like, here we are, Jesus. You can have us. Yeah. Under the altar. It's like it's the opposite of a powerful position. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, again, there's so many details that we can get into as far as the imagery. But the altar, like under the altar, that's like where the blood from the sacrifices would have like collected there. And yeah. so it's kind of that image of this is the result of all of this, all of this worship mm -hmm. to the Lord is just collected in this place and and uh so it really it really gives a stark contrast and and their their thing is you know obviously they're given these these white robes that kind of signify both righteousness and victory or conquering and you kind of see that coming up in in revelation as well but really the it's it's it is that paradox kind of picture where they are the ones who are standing in the presence of God. You mm -hmm. know, they're the ones that are actually in it. They're able to be in the presence of Jesus and not be like, ah, mountains fall on me kind yeah. of thing. Um, but they're the ones that they don't, they don't have this power. They don't have this conquering mm -hmm. thing that we expect. And so it's, yeah. And, and I think that's not what we want to see. Yeah for what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus mm -hmm. and what it looks like to worship him with our lives. Yeah. Mm. So I, yeah, it definitely gives it, it gives me like this place of, you see there's the Holy spirit inside. That's like, yes, mm -hmm. that's what I want my life to be like. And then there's my flesh. That's like, no. Yeah. <clears throat> right. Joe, the, this idea of the lamb's way to wage war yeah, versus the way of the beast. Talk about that a little bit, even in how maybe, because I, I could say a ton about my own trajectory over the last mm -hmm. 20, 30 years, but how has that changed when you think about, how does the lamb wage war? Yeah, it's very passive. Mm -hmm. um, it's <clears throat> it's not just war, you know, to yeah. kind of use our some of our categories. Um, it's Jesus-like. It's the life that he modeled on the planet. Um, you know, his, the rule of thumb for Jesus was always to listen to people, um, to do whatever the Father wanted him to do. And that was almost always, um, from a human perspective, very passive. Mm -hmm. um, I, I would use the word subversive. Okay. <clears throat> he had intent, but his, um, but his philosophy of life, his strategy was always passive. 
he had intent, but it was he he did not yeah. lord it over in his words. That's mm-hmm. not how we're going to live. Right. Um, we're going to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute you. I really appreciated you highlighting that for us. That that's lamb like. That's the lamb of God like. Um, and <clears throat> hey, look, if we end up. Uh, murdered for the glory of God and end up underneath the altar where all the blood collects. Awesome. Yeah. Um, but we're not going to be disobedient by waging the war in the way that the, the, the world wages the war. Right. Uh, we're just not going to do that. <clears throat> it's really hard. It's against all of our flesh. It's against even a lot of our Christian teaching in the last several decades. Like what? Just war. Um, conspiracy theory, we got to get the guns. Yeah. You know, we got to gather and make sure we can survive and protect Mm -hmm. our own. Whereas Jesus says, no, we're here actually to be crucified with you, Christ. It's no longer we who live, it's you who lives in us. You loved us. You're, you're actually, um, making progress on the planet, not with human intelligence or weaponry, but but living in this world like I did as a lamb of God, mm-hmm. and it's hard, yep. it, you know. Um, and I understand why people would conclude that we need to gather guns, we need to protect ourselves, we need to have a, a fortress mentality. It's the problem with it. It's just not Jesus-like. It's right. just not biblical. Um, it became popular under mm-hmm. Augustine, as we know, yep. uh, after Constantine, um, and um, we still you know, get back to it, I think, sometimes. Yeah. So that's what it, it's it good. does to me. Um, yeah, I want to push in general. to nor mostly with my own things that I kind of feel like God is undoing, but also the the objections that will come to um, if the lamb wages war by um, dying for his enemies. Mm-hmm. And, and so we know that's on the cross. Um, and sneak peek to Revelation 19 and 20 when we've got this culmination in the battle and these things. Right. The lamb's robe is stained with blood, but it's not the blood of his enemies. It's his own blood. But people would say, yeah, but isn't God... What about people that reject... I'm just going to put this to you, Daniel. Put you on the spot. What about people who reject Jesus' offering? Will not God then... I had somebody actually say this to me the other day. Won't God then carry out violence on them per se in the final judgment mm-hmm. what does that look like and how how have you thought through that because um, you yes jesus dies for his enemies he calls us to lay down our lives but then there's something where it's like okay 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 now time's up and you didn't respond mm-hmm. um even if it's we go with c.s lewis's definition of nobody's in hell that doesn't want to be there i choose this i choose this yeah. i choose this how does god handle judgment though at the end yeah i and i think yeah i think the the i read that eugene peterson quote um from his book called reverse thunder yeah you got me like that's on my wish list Mm -hmm. now yeah i'm Mm -hmm. gonna get it i was like what eugene yeah you holding out on me good old eugene so that and and uh he um he basically just highlights the fact that what we want to do with god's justice his, his ultimate judgment even is like, la, 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 la. Mm. And so he is always trying to convince us of the seriousness of sin. Because I think what we want so badly is we don't, we want, we wanted Jesus to establish a material kingdom, hmm. just yeah. like his disciples did, just like the Pharisees did, just like all the Jews expected the Messiah to do, even still today, what they expect and we want Jesus to establish that kind of material kingdom where it's like, oh, and now everything is good. And all mm-hmm. the bad people are gone. It's just me. Mm-hmm. And the other, the several other good people. All the other I good like. people. <laughs> you know, like and, me. Yeah. And, and, oh, thank the Lord. That's it. Mm-hmm. And that the problem of sin just runs so much deeper than that. Mm-hmm. And so you see in Revelation bringing a very, uh, like, Dramatic is not the right word, but just like a, a very amazing, crazy picture of how serious sin is mm-hmm. and how, the length that Jesus went to pay for that sin. And then also you see the people who don't come under the blood of Jesus. They don't come, th- they don't relate to God through that free gift of Jesus. 
they are left, and this is kind of where we left off on, on Sunday, was in that sixth seal where p- people are like, who, who can, can stand? stand before the wrath of the Lamb? Lamb. Yeah. So it's, it, it's one of those like really, because you see this incredible mercy and grace, but there is a moment where Jesus is like, I am going to say no more sin. And so for those who say, I, you know, for those who, who decide that I'm, I want to stay connected to my sin, I want to be God of my life, I mm-hmm. want to build my own tiny kingdom, G- ultimately Jesus says, all right, no more. Because that is his ultimate plan to make a new heavens and a new earth that is free from the presence of sin. Yeah. And, so, um, and, and so one of the ways that I've heard salvation talked about is that jesus has saved us from the penalty of sin Hmm. so we're saved from the wrath of god he is saving from the power of sin day by day this process of sanctification Hmm. and he will in the future save us from the very presence of sin Hmm. but the presence of sin unless we come through the blood of jesus and are washed clean that presence of sin is me Hmm. yeah and so i have to be removed from the new good creation mm-hmm. and judgment will ultimately fall upon me. And so that, it, that really is the story of the gospel. It's not just like dirty people and clean people. It's, it's yeah. really, it's really, it's really um, those who have been cleansed mm-hmm. and those who are still sin, mm-hmm. you know? So that's, that, that's why in, in scripture it says he became sin. He became sin who no, no, knew no sin so that we might, become the righteousness of yeah. God. Just as we, but apart from Jesus, we are sin. There really is no mm-hmm. distinction. And so... I like the <clears throat> same podcast yesterday, How to Read the Bible. Um, Tim was, Tim Mackey was kind of lamenting the simplicity of our framework, creation, fall, redemption, restoration. He says, not that it's not, that, that it isn't there. He said, but if, if you do that, he said, you take... Genesis 1 to 3, mm-hmm. there's creation fall, mm-hmm. and then you go New Testament, and it's there's uh, redemption and restoration. And he goes, and you hold your Bible up, and there's hundreds of pages <laughs> mm-hmm. in the middle that's like, what gives? Mm-hmm. What do you mean this doesn't matter? And so he said, I prefer creation calling a partnership in a kingdom, a ruling, a co-ruling and reigning he goes, and then rebellion. No, we won't. Mm-hmm. And then fallout. Mm-hmm. Hundreds and hundreds of years of fallout of yeah. the human condition just being just laid out in all of its blood and guts in the pages of Scripture and really important to see because of this. You know, it's not just, well, yep, I'm a sinner. I've accepted that, so I'm good but I'm not going to do anything else. I'm not going to become, I'm not going to take up my original calling to be an image bearer and to be a light to the nations and to actually reflect the way the lamb mm-hmm. is in, in war. And so I think as I think about these things, my answer to you know that individual was, it's not that God won't, there won't be an ultimate, this is bad if you rejected Jesus. Um, but, I, I've come to this, oh, you guys are getting a treat. The trash is being picked up outside mm-hmm. right now. I know. Right Maybe now. it's a sign of this podcast. <clears throat> that Our sin just, is leaving. We the, just need to delete it. The property. Josh and Luke, we just need to delete this one. It's taken out with the trash. <laughs> it's a sign. Maybe it's a sign. Um, but what I said was that <clears throat> where I feel like God is being merciful, like, wow, what mercy that it will so far surpass my understanding of mercy mm-hmm. to the point that I would be, I'm really uncomfortable with you showing mercy mm-hmm. <laughs> to, this, mm-hmm. to this person or this individual. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that my understanding of God, uh, of the judgment of sin, like we think in our minds, uh, physical violence, you know, or a punishment in that way is like, that's the worst thing ever. Like, that's awful. Like we think about like somebody like, pouring out violence on, you know, another human being that we love or care about. We're like, that is the worst thing ever. Mm -hmm. But I think that, you know, the severity of being left to our own 
devices. Um, and we've mentioned this, and I'll, I'll just mention it again. The Great Divorce by C.S. Lewis, I think, is a, is a fair, it's not a binary treatment of hell. It's not, oh, that makes tons of sense. There it is. Um, but I think it's a, it's, it's almost takes us to an uncomfortable place of dealing with the fact that loneliness and isolation and hatred of others and, you know, cause it's this people are on a bus and they keep moving further and further away from one another. Mm -hmm. Everybody's mad at everybody. It's gray. It's gross. It's just, there's intensity and it's like nobody wants to live. And so he says, it's like ever increasing in size vastness this emptiness because nobody can stand each other mm. and it's it's you're like mm-hmm mm -hmm. that is definitely what i feel when i'm you know in sin or mm -hmm. i'm walking away and so it when we look at the because let's let's go to something uncomfortable um with the seal so if if the lamb is opening mm -hmm. he's opening these yep. which in some sense he is calling forth allowing mm -hmm. <laughs> we do these yeah. things to make ourselves comfortable yeah. well let's just put it in real let's let's do like constant because as i thought of this you said this about say salvation he, he has is and will um i have started to think about revelation in that way because we don't do this on sundays but i'm going to do it for you right now if there are three main interpretive lenses, we're going to go with the preterist, which is the past. All these things happened in the past only. So when we read about the beast in Babylon, we're talking about Rome and we're talking about, you know, what's his name? Domitian? No. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, the current beast Babylon forms there. So that's the preterist. Um, the futurist or speculative, which is where you might lean towards left behind late great planet earth what we've said is kind of the, the most prevalent form of interpretation, sees these things really only happening in the future, thus the need to decode mm -hmm. and get it. I totally mm -hmm. get it. Mm -hmm. I feel that pressure too. You don't want to be left like holding the bag mm -hmm. uh, and not knowing what to do. And then the idealist would be the one that's kind of this blending of both. It's like, yeah, it is. It had a local fulfillment. Um, but it also has a, you know, now fulfillment. Mm -hmm. We see these things. And for sure, just like you said with Jerusalem, I don't like it. I don't think he's there physically, obviously. I don't think it's what he has in mind for some future kingdom, that it's going to be located on this really dirty part of the planet. But something's going to happen. Mm -hmm. And so it's what was and has happened when we look at the seals. Uh, and we just, we'll, we'll kind of briefly go through those again here. But it is what is happening and has happened throughout the centuries in every generation. You can always find your famines and your plagues. Mm -hmm. You can always find your tribalism. You can always find. And it is what we will see increase as we get closer. Again, with our broad definition of the end times being everything from the resurrection of Jesus until his return. And so I'm fine doing that. It's what was, it's what is, and it's what will be. Yeah. We don't have to nail that down, but if something happens today, let's say an attack on the United States of America, terrorist attack again, thousands and thousands killed. Daniel, how does that fit into these seals that are the seals that God opens and allows throughout history? Mm -hmm. And how, why does that make us uncomfortable if we're in remotely saying that God is allowing this for whatever, purgative or punitive, yeah. what you said. Like, talk about that for a minute. We just don't want things to be so hard. Mm -hmm. We don't want things to be so messy. And we see the stuff that happens in the world. Because, yeah, I mean, that could happen in America today, and it'd be terrible. Stuff like that happens all the time. Yeah. And we're just glad. We're just like, I'm just glad, glad that wasn't me. me. Right. And... <clears throat> And so when we really look at the, the fallout, like you said, all across the world, it's just terrible. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just terrible. And so when we feel comfortable in our own little spot, um, then the, I think the pain that we experience in life is like 
God, if you would just stop messing with me, I would be fine. And we kind of take this, this attitude with God that it's like, yeah, just like put the good things in place around me, put the blessings there, and then just leave me alone. Mm-hmm. Like I think that, it, and probably for many of us who are Christians, if we're really honest, that is often our mentality with God. It's like I come to you in prayer not to connect relationally, but to tell you what I want you to do yeah. or like, you know, whatever. And so I might be a little too harsh, but I just see that in my own life and that attitude can so easily creep in. And so then when we see things like in Revelation where it's like God is messing with the course of human history and allowing or giving permission for giving authority for evil people and evil spiritual beings to do what they want to do. Yeah. How could he? It's yeah. It's like, <laughs> that is so mean. Mm-hmm. And I just, I, I have, and again, I, I think the Bible is so rich and nuanced and it's why it's, that's why you, every time you open it, you're like, that's in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it's, it just is, it has this way of speaking to the truth of reality. And one mm-hmm. of the truths is life is really hard. And we have so many passages of scripture that either, either describe difficulty or describe like in the Psalms, how can you speak to God yeah. and how do you relate to God in difficulty? And so if something big and terrible goes down in your life, God, God meets you with compassion mm-hmm. and he says, yeah, I know this is so hard. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. this really is terrible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he really feels that way about it. And, and at the same time, he also doesn't just, he's not just going to let um, us just build our own kingdoms. And then all of a sudden final judgment comes mm-hmm. and we're like, wait, what in the world? Why is it like, you know, and so he's giving us these warning signs all along the way. One of the most difficult things we have to face um, in this life is death. It's an inevitability for every single yeah. person. We even see in um, Jesus, we love the passages where Jesus comes in, Lazarus has been dead for three days and he does this resurrection and you're like, yeah, I want him to do that in my life. Mm-hmm. But what happened to Lazarus? He died, he died again. <laughs> yeah. And so that's why Jesus is, is, is said, is said to be the firstborn mm-hmm. from the dead mm-hmm. because Jesus was the first one to actually, he died and then was raised with a resurrection for every eternal body. And that is what Jesus has in store for us. It's like in John chapter six, where there's these people and they're like, Jesus, always give us this bread. And he's like, no, the bread is my, my (laughs) flesh and blood. Like I am the bread of life. I want to give you eternal life. That's why I came is so that you would have eternal life. Not so that this life would be amazing and good because it's not. And he promises his disciples, you're going to have trouble in this life. Yeah but I've overcome the world. I have a plan to put it, to put it all right. Yeah. It's just not going to happen in this life because it's, he has to, again, get, take care of the problem of sin, which has been connected into all of creation through our rebellion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that, I think that's the difficulty. It's the, it's the discomfort that we feel when we feel like this life is all that I get. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And if God would just quit messing with me, I could have a, have a good life. And we have to change our perspective. What is our hope? It's not in this life right now that we have, mm-hmm. that things work out good for me. The, my hope is that I know that whatever happens to me, my wife, my kids, that when we, we've put our faith in Jesus, we're going to spend eternity together. Yeah. How, however long we have here, right. whatever. Nah. Yeah. Like, and, and so that is, that's the hope of the gospel. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I think that's, if, that's the perspective yeah, that I've come to And you're kind of triggering some things in my heart. Um, <laughs> If the original, if we could describe the original sin, uh, you know, of taking from the fruit of the knowledge uh, of good and evil was a rebellion and a, a usurping of God's authority to say we would like authority, then any place where I am saying unfair, how could you, I think are latent effects of original sin in my heart. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you guys could test that or talk about it, but there's, those are remnants from my desire to control. Mm-hmm. I want to decide what is good and evil. And, you know, we, we were just in Israel and so we're looking at, um, ruins of 
the judgment of God on Israel for mm -hmm. unfaithfulness, for usurping that authority. And so we went, we were at Masada, very impressive Herodian structure, but also the scene of an awful story mm -hmm. of the last Jews holding out. And so if, you know, the Jews <clears throat> tell the story as like, these guys were heroes. They held out for as long as they could against Rome. And then they killed all their families and then killed themselves. And so you're going, um, oh no, you know? Um, but I think there were two women and three kids that hid and said, no, we're not doing this. And to me, they were the heroes. And we had just been reading in uh, Jeremiah where God says, if you stay in this city where I am sending judgment, mm -hmm. Sennacherib, Nebuchadnezzar, these are my servants. Mm. These are my servants. Mm -hmm. I have called these nations to bring my judgment upon you. If you stay in this city, you will die. If you go out and surrender to them, you will live. Those women did. And, and that's how the story was told. So this idea of God's judgment and wrath and our discomfort with it, and even as we read Jesus opening these seals and it's like famine and plague and tribalism and war and do something, do something. How could you let this happen? I'm gaining a new understanding and it isn't a Western understanding, uh, which I'm thankful for, but my Western understanding really wants to neatly package it and to have an answer for you know the difficult questions, the problem of pain and the problem of evil but I'm, I'm starting to gain a little confidence. And I, I think also, I was gonna ask you, Joe, um, you meet with a lot of people mm -hmm. and help people work through many times very, very difficult things. Talk just a bit about a theology of mm -hmm. suffering. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what I was thinking actually when and, you asked and what that, that, yeah. what how we should think about these things. <clears throat> in yeah. light of that. So it's not something that we think about when we think about discipleship is to give people, <clears throat> excuse me, a, a lens, a theology, a practical understanding of suffering. And <clears throat> it's pretty special. I got to see the day that I dedicated uh, Daniel as a brand new baby. And I How read, old are you? read over, yeah, I read <laughs> over Daniel's life that day, John 16. No way. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. You remember this, right? Mm -hmm. John 16, 33. So, um, in this world, you're going to have trouble. And so that, that whole, just that concept, wait a minute, what is it written in scripture that right. I'm going to have trouble? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, but you can take courage. Mm -hmm. And so it's not just, you're going to, the, the discipleship, mode when someone's going through suffering is not to say, hey, look, you're going to suffer, so just kind of suck it up. Right. No, the, the verse goes on, get your eyes on Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. He's overcome the world. And so once again, our discipleship needs to be really honest. Our, our counseling of people going through you know, horrendous things uh, needs to be honest. But I, I find myself oftentimes needing to help people develop a theology or a practical understanding that mm -hmm. God's word, Jesus Christ himself modeled that um, it's not going to go the way that you want it to go. And, and when you find yourself in trouble, you're in really good company. First of all, with your, your creator and your redeemer, Jesus Christ, he suffered mm -hmm. and he didn't do anything wrong. Um, and so I, I do think that we, it, maybe it's not a Western model or it's not a Western um, priority maybe to talk about suffering. It's more about talking about conquering and being the best and making sure your life is comfortable and secure. I think we do do ourselves and people that we're trying to minister to a disservice when we do not help them understand. It's There's going to be just really difficult things, really unfair things. Yeah. And people that you thought you could trust are going to maybe treat you horribly. Um, again, you're in really good company with Jesus Christ, and yeah. he, he wants you to come near to him. So, um, yeah, that the Lord, yeah, and we're getting that in Revelation, yes. right? We're getting that in these seals. Like, look, this is the way that it has been, is, and is going to be, and mm -hmm. it's probably going to get worse and worse. Yeah, you know, 
Um, so you better have a good understanding that it's not going to go the way that you want it to go. And you need to somehow in Christ be okay with that and learn how to trust him through difficulty. Yeah. I, Lisa <clears throat> me. Um, said something to me the other day. She's doing some reading. I thought this was so good because where this becomes practical um, and not the, like we said, it's not that the goal is always to be like, what should I do then? But right. when you do find this confidence in, okay, Jesus is standing there. He's the slain lamb. He's also resurrected. He is seated. He's in charge. He's the only one that can do this. And he's un, he's cracking seals that we would be like, can you just, can you leave that one? I mean, can we like skip a couple? Mm -hmm. Like, can we just go to the good ones? Mm -hmm. And so you can start to say, all right, I can be confident in what he is doing. One of the things we say often, and it's, you know, if we have tropes in our preaching, things that you come back to again and again, it's like obligatory moments that you're going to say a phrase. I have them, we all have them. Mm -hmm. But one of them that I have started to just believe, isn't <laughs> that funny? You say it all the time, but yeah. you're like, believe you it really now. Believe that? <laughs> um, is that when I stand before the Lord, I won't have objections to the way he handled my life mm -hmm. and history. I, I will truly say, you do all things well. Like, and, mm -hmm. But the quote she was uh, giving about suffering was a lot of times we'll say, why is this happening to me? And that you start to understand, okay, why is this happening for me? Mm. I was like, that's really change, profound. Change the narrative. Even if it's difficult, Lord, you are doing something for me. Mm -hmm. And whether you say, you know, you don't have to get into that binary black and white of he's causing this like directly pulling levers in heaven to make no it's like don't go there but he's in control he's sovereign he's over it all um uh, that's been like very helpful just mm -hmm. to think about and i would say it's not that i don't balk at difficult moments but i am much quicker to say all right lord this is difficult i wish this wasn't happening what are you up to mm-hmm how are you shaping the things in the world? Um, and I'll just read, this is another one of my verse tropes that I always go to, um, but specifically since COVID, since the difficulties in our country. And, uh, you know, this was, make sure I find the right one. This is where Paul says, from one man, it's 17, isn't it? Yeah, it's down towards the end. Down towards the end. See? That's why I have you. <laughs> Here we go. Acts 17, 26. Um, the God who made the world, everything in it, he's Lord of heaven and earth. He does not live in shrines made by hands, neither is he served by human hands, as though he needed anything, since he himself gives everyone life and breath and all things. From one man, he has made every nationality to live over the whole earth and has determined their appointed times and the boundaries of mm -hmm. where they will live. He did this so that they might seek God and perhaps that they might reach out and find him mm -hmm. though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being as even some of your own poets have said, we are also his offspring. Mm -hmm. uh, Paul quoting a secular author. How dare you, Paul? <laughs> Don't you know we only read Christian things? Um, <laughs> He says, since we are God's offspring, then we shouldn't think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, an image fashioned by human art and imagination. To me, it's like he's he's pulling and moving with things that we're like, we're always dealing with the what's happening right here that's bothering me. But what I take from that, and I've found such comfort. Why is this happening for you? Boy, he is somehow in his beautiful way in his eternal way he's orchestrating the events of your life and the events of human history so that you will reach for him and find him mm -hmm. that's that's just awesome it's mm -hmm. awesome to me to think about um mm -hmm. we had a question uh and we'll i think we'll give a quick answer to this and if we need to jump into a little bit more but and i think it was first sermon or second sermon i gave i talked about the church in israel israel and the church um contentious subject for many, some uh, that would go with something called replacement theology, that the church has completely replaced Israel 
um, and you know, vice versa. No, there is something very specific that's going to happen with ethnic Israel national, like where you are born a Jewish person. Um, I maintain that I am grafted in. Mm -hmm. Like I, I am, I've just been literally shoved into this amazing branch that is Jesus. <laughs> um, but I think it's, it, it can be a, a new definition that I have started to think about who is Israel. If the definition of Israel is um, a Jewish-born person who faithfully keeps covenant with the Father and represents God's mission and mandate to the world perfectly, without fail, as a light to the nations, then I would say there's only one Israel, Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so then we kind of go with Paul in Galatians, um, that there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, no male, female, all who would find their life in that one faithful Israelite, the Messiah, are Israel. And that said, I would have a caveat that I'm also with Paul that he says something about his natural-born brothers and sisters who mm -hmm. are national Jews. Mm -hmm. I do think there's something specifically. Um, we were just in Israel, mm -hmm. Joe and I were, and our tour guide, um, not a believer in Jesus as the Messiah, um, still awaiting the Messiah as a Jew. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I was actually just asking, you know, kind of become more comfortable. He knows what I believe. You know, we kind of know where they stand but just said, so um, you say it's from the line of David. Who is the line of David today? And he said, we don't know. Mm -hmm. We don't know. We just know the Messiah will come from the line of David. He'll turn water to wine and all these other great things that he's going to do to fix the world. I was like, okay, interesting. You know, and so you're just like, your head's going, um, <laughs> <laughs> hello. But I think there is a partial... Mm -hmm. Blinding. Blinding. Mm -hmm. Just I'm just reading scripture when mm -hmm. I say that. Mm -hmm. um, even though I don't know the location, Joe does, and that's mm -hmm. important. But there's a partial hardening, and then seems like as we get closer, there will be something for national ethnic Israel in response to Jesus as the Messiah. But it's also clear that there are national ethnic Jewish people who have rejected Jesus as the Messiah, and if they don't accept him, they will therefore not be ultimately true Israel. That'd be my quick take. Any caveats, any things you guys would add to that? I think there's something with ethnic Israel in the future. Mm -hmm. um, I, you know, I, I, I think for, for me anyway, uh, for in Revelation 19 and then 20 with the millennium, I do think that um, that is, at least from my, where I land right now, that is where the promises to Israel will be established. Mm -hmm. I, I happen to think that Genesis 12, 1 through 3 are going to be fulfilled during that particular time when Israel actually becomes a blessing mm -hmm. through the power of that, uh, of, of the Messiah sure. reigning um, during those years. I, but but I can't answer all the objections to that. Sure, because there are objections to that. But I, I I'm just not ready to to say I'm not a replacement th right. theologian. Uh, that's not where I have decided to land. Cho choose to land. Um, so I don't know. That that's kind of where I'm at. That's good with it. I'm learning, and, yeah. and I think that for me, that's the best way to approach future things. Because we, I, I am, I'll just admit, I am so blinded to what these things really do mean sure. in the future. I appreciate that they relate to me now and that there is current application for me or at least current understanding for me. Um, but there's, um, so I, I still have a place of my own yeah. study of scripture for those promises to be uh, for Israel specifically. Yep. So Daniel, how about you? Mm -hmm. I probably land real similar to you guys. Um, yeah, I think the the main thing that makes me think that God's not done with Israel is that he seems to not be done with me either. 
Yeah. You know, and he's just so patient and merciful, mm-hmm. and he he seems to give way more chances than I would give. Yeah. And do I know what that's going to look like? Not necessarily. Right. But, but yeah, certainly, um, certainly a lot of there's been uh, just a, there's a crazy amount of anti-Semitism yeah. that mm-hmm. comes out of just wacky, messed up ways of looking at the Jewish people. Yeah. Um, that is so off base. Yeah. yeah. I think one of the things like Luther in his latter writings yep. was really anti-Semitic. Hitler used his right. writings. Yeah. Um, not, in writings. A, not in his early yeah. writings. Um, yeah. And I hate to use some other names kind of in light of, of that, but there are current people that we all probably have learned a lot from mm-hmm. that are replacement theologians, not yeah. necessarily anti-Israel yeah. as much as Luther, Luther became at the end of his yeah ministry um so i you know it's good well and uh, hopefully what everybody's hearing too in this answer is you probably have three very nuanced answers to that question um i don't think any of us would play be in this place of replacement um i'll tell you one thing we all three absolutely reject is that america is some new jerusalem and and a new people like that is absolutely i would say black and white on that but there's there's enough there that we we know better than to be like, nope, it's this. We're gonna say, yeah, I, I think there is something there. And just, you go to Israel, and one thing that you do know is Mount of Olives, there are graves. There are Christians buried there, there are Muslims buried there, there are Jews buried there. And guess why? They all think something is gonna happen at right the there. end that, that is related to the final judgment of the world. And it is, it has this ground zero target. There's so much strife and contention um, to hopefully humble us enough to say, yeah, I'm not quite sure. I know I'm grafted in and I'm thankful Mm -hmm. and I know I'm not a Jew. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so I'll take it, It, it's very, it's helpful. I think it's a good place for us to kind of wrap this one. Um, But it's it's also, as we said, uh, we major in the majors and we're gonna ask you know, as a staff, and if you would say, hey, I wanna be like locked in and a member at Pleasant Valley, we're gonna say, okay, we need you to agree on the majors. Our interpretation of something like this and the Book of Revelation overall, minor doctrines, um, the only ones we're gonna lock in is that Jesus wins. Uh, he's the only one worthy to open the scroll. But mm-hmm. all right, that'll wrap it up for this episode of Behind the Sermon. Yay! <laughs>